Hello and welcome back to another episode of the NED Pro podcast. My name is James Bradfield. I'm one of the members of our global innovation panel and I'm absolutely delighted to be back in podcast land and to have another um, series of podcasts coming out ready for uh, listeners. So we've been extremely busy over the last number of weeks and months indeed with our summer school in applied human nutrition. So that was our fifth summer school, which was run entirely online this year due to um, COVID and restrictions in meeting up in in face to face, um, which was also then followed by our sixth international summit in medical nutrition, education and research. However, I'm delighted today to launch the start of a new mini series of podcasts that we're going to be running over the next few weeks. So what we're going to be doing is looking at the role of dietitians and more specifically looking at some of the more novel or less traditional role of dietitians such as those working in education, uh, medical nutrition education and a couple of people as well who have trained and worked as dietitians but gone on to do further study and how their training and background in dietetics has aided them or has improved their practice going forward. So obviously this is something that NEDPRO is very involved in and something that we've been involved in for a long time. But what we wanted to do is shed light on some of the people and some of the work that they're doing in this field and really making a difference to to, to patient care, all things considered. So hopefully what it'll do is it will showcase the skills of dietitians and, and what they can offer outside of what you might typically expect a dietitian to be doing. There will be four interviews in total, followed by a conversation where we'll have a chat with some other NEDPRO members and discuss some of the findings from the interviews more in depth. So the first episode of this mini-series was one that I recorded with Dr. Elise Wilson. So Dr. Wilson is a public health registrar and research fellow working in global maternal child health and nutrition. She's a medical doctor with additional expertise and training in public health, obstetrics and gynecology, as well as nutrition and dietetics. So she did actually train as a dietitian before going on and studying medicine. In this conversation, we talked a little bit about her dietetic training and how that influenced and continues to influence her, both her practice and her research now as a doctor. We talked about her own lecturing of medical students and how she sort of identified a big gap in the, the curriculum of medical students for, for nutrition and just really talked a lot more about the role for dietitians and nutrition professionals within medical education as well. So I hope that you enjoy the episode and that you learn something from it. I should add that for some reason, around 36 minutes into the interview, the uh, Elise's microphone goes quite quiet. It lasts for about two minutes, so if you are listening on headphones or any other device, um, bear that in mind. It's not that your your device is broken, and I, apologies, but it, it only lasts for about two minutes. Um, if you would like to let us know what you thought of the episode or if you have any feedback for us, then please do get in touch uh, via social media. But without further ado, here is a conversation with Dr. Elise Wilson. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Elise, for giving me a little bit of your time this morning. We've obviously had a quick conversation before we started, but would you like to do a quick introduction to yourself and maybe your background for our listeners as well, please? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, James. And thanks for the opportunity to have a chat with you. Um, So my name's Elise Wilson. I'm a medical doctor currently undertaking specialty training um, to train as a public health physician. Um, I'm in my second year of that training program. And um, I guess my background is that I initially trained as a dietitian nutritionist out of um, as my first uh, tertiary degree and then went on to study um, medicine as a postgraduate degree and, and did a master of public health and um, whilst working as a clinical doctor completed a diploma of obstetrics and gynecology. So now um, my area of work is very much in uh, global maternal and newborn health and nutrition. Um, and I work at the Burnett Institute in Melbourne. Brilliant. So um, you mentioned there, obviously, that you, you, your, your own training was, uh, you've, I suppose, a very mixed uh, training in terms of dietitian, nutritionist, also medical doctor, and now with a, 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 a focus on public health and public health nutrition as well. Um, I suppose as as a medical doctor, you know, working in any area, whether that be your public health or, or you mentioned um, obstetrics and gynecology as well, how have you found over the course of your career um, so far, at least, how, you know, your training as a dietitian and your training in nutrition, how has that 
either helped or how has it you know has it ever given you a new perspective because obviously what we're trying to do with this project is is highlight maybe some of the the roles for dietitians that we maybe don't think of um instinctively or mm. how 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 the training in nutrition and dietetics could uh aid you in other areas of of your career so how how have you found that yourself yeah so i guess there's sort of two parts to your question and to um to respond to the first part about uh how i've sort of found um nutrition in those different roles and the application of it i think um nutrition you know has been, is really relevant to um to all the work that i've done and it's funny because even though i haven't worked in purely nutritional dietetics roles um, since I graduated, I've found that there's always been a way to incorporate nutrition and that it's been relevant to the, to the work that I've done. And um, particularly what I think um, training as a nutritionist or dietitian has really, it teaches you quite well to think about the social determinants of health because when you're providing someone dietary advice or nutrition guidance, you can't not think about where do they live, how do they cook, what's their access to food, public transport, you know, where do they kind of live and um, what's their level of education, what's their cultural background, what's their, what's their health literacy like. And I think this way of thinking about a person more holistically um, and thinking about the community that they live in and who they are as, as a person is actually very helpful in medicine because it's, it's really, it's critical. Um, yeah. You know, the, the medical advice or um, guidance you give, you need to think about the whole person. And I think my training in nutrition dietetics did that very well. And it set me up yeah. very well to, um, to think in that more holistic way. Absolutely. Um, I think that's, that's a really, a really good point. Like you say, it's, it's, it's probably something that we training in nutrition and dietetics, we possibly take a little bit for granted the, the social determinants. I, I know with my undergraduate degree being nutritional sciences and then going on to do dietetics, I think that was for me, the, the biggest difference between those two degrees was that focus on, look, everyone's coming at this from a different background. And while you can understand the, the biomedical, I suppose, cause of disease and maybe pathophysiology and those kind of things. Then when you go and study dietetics, I think you get a really much deeper, greater appreciation for the the whole biopsychosocial um, model and the fact that, that, you know, like you say, the social determinants are really um, so foundational and everything to do with, with all aspects of health. So that that's really interesting to hear that that's um, you've brought that into your, your medical career as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think medicine, you know, is still, whilst we're grappling with trying to get more nutrition into medical education, I think um, there's also the element of trying to incorporate more of the social determinants sort of thinking and understanding and health and systems thinking, which, and so I think it's all sort of complementary. And what we've found in Australia, in addition, is also we've, um, we're trying to incorporate a lot more Indigenous health and First Nations, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander health into the curriculum. And mm. we see um, one of my colleagues who I work quite, quite closely with at the university, we find a lot of parallels around teaching around nutrition, social determinants, First Nations health, and there's sort of this um, interesting sort of overlap and a lot of the, um, the concepts are quite um, complementary and, and similar, which is really interesting, I think. And that really highlights the way that we need to think about which is what we're always talking about is um, not having the sort of siloed approach to nutrition teaching, but integrating it throughout medical education or um, throughout, you know, a training, uh, whatever medical specialty training it is, rather than having it sort of a separate add-on subject or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I suppose having it as, as a fundamental part of each training scheme or, or area rather than a, a standalone um, kind, of, kind of module or, or whatever it might be. Because like you say, I suppose it does, every area of, of medicine probably has some um, application or appreciation for the role of nutrition as well, or hopefully does. And you mentioned there as well, the, um, I think you said first nations health. So how, how out of interest, I suppose, how interesting is that from a nutrition point of view? Cause I can only imagine it must be very, again, going back to our social determinants, it must be very varied and um, very different for, for all um, indigenous populations and things, their, their nutritional background or their, you know, cultural practices and things. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when we, um, so Dr. Nari Blow is the director of First Nations Health at, at University of Melbourne. And when we have I've been discussing about the First Nations health curriculum, there's been this real emphasis on social determinants, um, as you've mentioned. Mm. And with regards to nutrition, um, 
you know, we've equally found, we've, we've found a way to integrate teaching about nutrition and First Nations health together. So going back, I guess, traditionally to thinking about traditional bush foods and medicines and um, the roles that they continue to play in um, different First Nations communities' diets and, and health, mm -hmm. but also um, thinking about the influence of colonisation on yeah. uh, food practices and food cultures, as well as, you know, that kind of nutrition transition and that shift towards Western diets and um, the associations with chronic disease and so forth. So there's been, um, there has been quite, um, it's been quite strategic and also helpful to kind of work together and think about how we can deliver these sort of messages around nutrition and First Nations health in a complementary way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and would you would you say that your again your your training in nutrition and, and dietetics would you say that that has been you know helpful to, to that real like you, you mentioned kind of systems approach to um to these wider issues? You know, it's not obviously just a um, a single. Uh, solution going to to fix any of the you mentioned the colonization and and the nutrition transition for example obviously there's not going to be one solution but do you do you think your dietetic hat if you like sort of complements your uh, your medical training in that respect as well yeah definitely and I think as we we were discussing before we um, started the the interview was that um, I think, I mean, I, I went very quickly from uh, after finishing my dietetics nutrition training into working in public health nutrition. And I think because for me, I feel that a lot of the solutions to improving the nutritional status of populations are really at that systems level. It's around structural issues. It's around policy, marketing, you know, economics. I think that the way to improve the population's health is, is really at that um, wider political economic sort of level. Um, mm. And that's was what drove me to working in public health nutrition because I, I, I had some really key lecturers during my studies as well who were very um, strong public health nutritionists and um, was fascinated by some of the work, uh, especially especially around the food industry and the marketing and the advertising that's used to, um, yeah. I guess, persuade people to buy certain products and, and that influence at a young age and some of the work by Marion nestle around free politics was yeah i just um, and i still am very interested in that space and and currently do some research around um infant feeding practices and the influence of the formula industry and so forth so um yeah i think that the nutrition dietetics really got me inspired in public health nutrition initially and now um as a medical doctor i'm still interested in public health but um i guess more as um not you know in addition to nutrition other aspects of public health as well yeah definitely I, th I think it, it's 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 very interesting like that that you I suppose throughout your training so you seem to have had quite a, a wide angle view of of the issues you mentioned um the fact that you know whether it's economics or um policy or advertising and all those kind of things and I think that is the danger sometimes when you work in one particular medical or allied health uh, profession is that you probably focus in on your area and what the issues are and you know even for example we've seen in the last uh, week or so the public health england have announced their their new um strategy to to tackle um obesity in the uk and um a lot of people are saying that you know it, it's it's great to have a policy like that but we need to make sure that this isn't just asking individuals or telling individuals how to mm how to um improve their own health and that kind of thing but that it is a, a very much a systems approach with lots of um i suppose inter interdisciplinary multi-sectorial working all those sort of buzzwords that really means we need yeah. to attack attack this from all angles and i suppose again your your training in, in public health is is probably um would probably be very very useful uh, right about now in the uk so no, I think I when, think what's really interesting what you said there. Sorry, just to interrupt no you is, um, is I think you've really highlighted that need for us to work outside of our discipline. And um, you know, I think particularly when you're talking about obesity prevention as an example, you know, we need to, we need to be comfortable working with lawyers and town planners and mm. um, you know, really um, outside of our kind of not not just nutrition but health silo. And I think that's where we can make the most gains is when we're willing to work you know, with a lot of different groups. And, and we do need to work with industry in some capacity. Um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of debate around industry involvement and whether they should be at the table, not at the table, and whether they start to control the narrative or not. And, that, you know, it's probably a conversation for another day, but <laughs> I do think that um, 
we have to think about, we can't completely exclude industry. I think that they're an important, they can be an important ally. But yeah, I guess yeah. It's, you're sort of, yeah, it's, it's about working across sectors, absolutely. I think you're right. I think, you know, and it's, it's it, in all honesty, it's not something that I, I mean, like I've just qualified, so I don't want to say that I know <laughs> that I have all the answers. But I think, yeah, if we're saying that the, the food industry, for example, has been, um, or, or any other industry for that matter, has been part of the, the problem, then they probably have to be part of the solution as well. And mm. I, I would agree that we probably need to work with them um, that that, you know, collaboration is probably a, a stronger tack to take than just, um, you know, criticizing and, and um, it's very easy to criticize, I suppose, is what I'm getting at. Um, mm. your, so, so I think, you, again, your, your own training is, is really interesting. So you, did you ever really work uh, clinically? Because I think that's what, you know, I include myself in this as someone who's just finished training. I always saw myself going into clinical work, so hospital-based, seeing patients or out in the community, things like that. And I think that for a lot of dietetic students and a lot of people going into dietetics and probably a lot of people working in dietetics as well, to be fair, that's probably one of the only areas that we expect to work in, I suppose. When you were yeah. training, were you ever kind of interested in, the, were you interested in the clinical side as well? Or was it always more the, the public health, um, you know, you said the public health nutritionist role rather than sort of clinical dietetics? Oh, no, I mean, absolutely interested in the clinical application and, um, you know, I find it fascinating. And I think you have to have that understanding um, to then work in the community or, or your public health setting, it's still really important to have that clinical understanding, which, you know, the same for, you know, as a public health doctor, that you need to, having that clinical knowledge is, is really important. Um, you know, when you start trying to develop, you know, a policy or programs to, for whatever purpose it is, it's still really important to have that clinical understanding. So, I mean, mm. I um, I only worked very briefly as a clinical dietitian in a full-time role about, you know, I just did like a, a six-week cover um, and then I did um, and then I went straight into this public health role and I worked in remote um, remote Australia in the in Cape York and the Torres Strait Islands so my first my first gig my first proper job as in as a nutritionist was um, working on 17 islands in the Torres Strait um, oh. as a, commun- a community nutritionist essentially with um, remote stores which was a pretty um, was pretty it was it was amazing fascinating but a pretty big step for a graduate really after six weeks in the hospital and straight <laughs> yeah. into remote um Torres and communities um but then and then I mean I went back into medicine which is um is obviously clinical and worked clinically there so no I, I still and I still do actually work as a clinical doctor now I do a clinic once a week in a women's health okay. clinic at our um women's hospital in Melbourne here so I still I still really enjoy the clinical work and I I think what's really nice and and this is relevant to sort of public health as well, is that um, public health is a, is a long journey. Uh, the programs mm-hmm. you implement, or the, you know, they, these are things that take time to, um, to evolve and, to, and to, to develop as well. You know, you, when you're working on a public health program, you need to work very closely, whatever group's involved and um, developing relationships and making sure the project's suited to the needs and um, the values of the group you're working with. So some of these projects can take a long time to get off the ground and then to follow through. And so sometimes it's actually really nice to see patients clinically because you, you yeah. see the patients, you make a plan, you know, you... Um, you send them on their way and um and that's really satisfying as well so i i still like having that clinical um that clinical time to just see patients and also have that on the ground perspective because sometimes when you're you know you're working um you're working at sort of that higher level of that policy level you can sometimes forget the actual individual patient experience and it's 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 important to be brought back you know brought back on the ground and to remember what absolutely what the issues that and how you can consider those in those sort of you know policies or programs that you're involved in so um, absolutely yeah, I think I suppose, it's I, yeah and I, I suppose like you're saying there about you know it's nice to go back to sort of individual patient level and see the the, the work that you can do I, again taking that real public health wide angle uh, view of things it's probably um, nice every so often to have I don't want to call it a quick win, but like you say, seeing a patient, putting in um, a care plan or, or some sort of a, a therapy plan um, and seeing that help, because like you say, public health is a long journey and those, you know, whether it's 
uh, going for funding and then running a program, evaluating the program. Um, they're all long-term sort of goals, I suppose. And it, it, it probably is, I can imagine, nice every so often to, to, to come home and just say, yeah, I helped today concretely. Um, yeah. Although yeah, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure everything that you're doing is helping in, again, in a sort of a longer term. Um, no, I think you're right. Those, yeah, those, those um, short wins. And also I think it helps you to center the people at the, at the center of your policy. If you, you know what I mean? We talk about nutrition in all policies, but I think we also have to think about who are the people that we're trying to, whose health are we trying to improve here? Like, and cause I work exactly. in maternal newborn health. I think it's always helpful to keep remembering the women and the newborns at the center of that, of those public health um, work. And so I think that's another you know, benefit of still work, having some clinical work. Yeah, exactly. It probably reminds you of of why why you're going through all exactly. of the the rigmarole of big long public health programs and things. Absolutely, yeah, I think that 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 definitely makes sense. So you mentioned there a minute ago, and I I kind of can't um, look past it. Going to I think you said Cape York and the Torres Strait um, quite mm. soon after graduating. What was your sort of role there, and what what kind of things were you doing in a day to day capacity, maybe and and um, how did you find that as a as a new graduate? I, I, as someone in that sort of position now, I can't imagine going to somewhere as um, you know. I can imagine only different to anything I've ever experienced. So, what how, what was your sort of role, and, and how did you find that as a as a recent graduate? Yeah, yeah. So the Torres Strait is pretty far from Melbourne. Um, to get there, for example, I have to you have to get a flight from Melbourne to Cairns, and then another flight to. Horn Island, and then and then a ferry across to Thursday Island, which is the administrative centre for the region. Yeah. And then it's the number of you know dinghies or small aircraft to get out to the other islands as well. Um, so the work the work there was as a community store nutritionist. So um, in these communities, they have sort of one one store or one supermarket um, that provides the you know the foods for the um, for that island. And so the the role was um, was around making, I guess, the healthy choices, the easy choices um, through, you know, making them more affordable, um, culturally appropriate, uh, thinking about merchandising and marketing. Um, and so it was a whole, yeah, it was, it was a whole range of different work at, around, you know, um, we did staff training in nutrition. Uh, we did uh, around, we sort of the, the display of food on the on the shelves, the type of products that we stocked, looking at pricing variations. So whether you can kind of nudge people to buy healthy items by offering them at a cheaper price. So say, for example, diet, okay. um, soft drinks versus full sugar. Um, a lot of promotions to encourage fruit and veg consumption. So you know, we had raffles around if you buy so many fruit and, you know, different coloured fruit and vegetables and, you know, going to the community like a raffle for a bike or something like that. We had like a whole lot of different different initiatives. Um, In terms of the experience, it was a a really steep learning curve for a number of reasons. Um, One, because I, I mean, obviously working in a cross-cultural setting in the Torres Straits and needing to, you know, um, to learn about that, those different communities and, you know, there's um there's a number of different um, groups within the Torres Strait, um, so it's not sort of just one homogenous culture. There's a number of different cultures within it and different languages spoken, um, okay. and uh, so there's obviously that element. But then also I found, and this is one thing I found that dietetics training didn't really prepare me well for, was that although we had subjects on public health nutrition and community nutrition, I think we were fundamentally trained to be clinical clinicians to be clinical dietitians and yeah. and so then working in that community environment although we've had we had did have some projects and they did have some practical you know um, experiences and so forth I felt that um, I felt like I wasn't really prepared to work in that kind of setting and mm-hmm. um, and it was very political as well like um, I guess um, generally most things to do with Indigenous health in Australia is quite political um, and remote and at the time there yeah. was an there was a national uh, royal commission, I think, or a national inquiry into remote stores. So that was happening at, so there was a big spotlight on remote stores. Um, and I think also that the role was, I was working for the store. So I was employed um, by the actual, you know, the, the business. And so I was a health person, but working in a business. And that was, I had to real. I think it took me a while to work out that I was talking all this kind of health, you know, nutrition this and this is more nutritious or this is I didn't really realize I had to think about profit I need to think about how I could 
yeah. like in terms of sell my messages, not to the community, but to the, um, the organizational management. So, you know, to sell them when I said, I want to get long grain rice in or, you know, different types of rice, not just the short grain rice, because there's quite high rates of diabetes in the region thinking about, um, you know, other rice options and so forth. I had to really, um, I had to learn to sell my message in a different way. And I think that took me, it took me a while to click that I had to talk business lingo rather than, yeah. you know, nutrition lingo to sort of use a very Aussie term there. Um, yeah. So I think that was quite interesting as well. I think I, I learned a lot in that. I learned a lot in that job, um, but it was, yeah, like I said, a, a steep learning curve. I was going to say, it sounds like, it sounds like it should be a part of everyone's training to do something like that because, you know, you're talking about things like buying certain numbers of colors of fruit and veg, like real novel sort of approaches to, you mentioned even kind of nudges. And I think nudges has become quite a, uh, again, another buzz term in public health in, in, in sort of small, what would you call mm. them? I suppose stru- structural things that can encourage people to make healthier choices, whether it be buying certain foods or, you know, walking upstairs instead of taking the elevator, those kind of things. Um, so like lots of novel approaches, which I think was really, really interesting. And I think it's very, very interesting what you're saying about the, I suppose, having to justify um, from a business point of view why you're making a decision, whereas we're probably trained in dietetics to justify things from a clinical point of view. So mm. even if it comes to using one supplement over another, we would also always go to the point, well, you know, studies have shown that you know protein content of this much in this tube feed promotes this or whatever it might be yeah, instead of yeah. having to worry about the the profit or the 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 business side of things which is maybe something that we i i know personally i wouldn't i wouldn't have any real experience of of, of business or any sort of entrepreneurship and maybe that's something that that as dietitians we could do with or would would add another string to our bow in terms of uh of our training as well so that that's that's really really interesting and I wonder then you you mentioned it being you know working in such a cross-cultural environment where there was heterogeneity within the population as well it wasn't as if you were just dealing with one group of people did that then have was was that a trigger for you to become interested in things like global maternal health and um, children's health or was that sort of in your mind already as something that you were interested in, in working in and going on and doing further, further work in? No, I think, yeah, I think those experiences did really kind of motivate me to work in that space. Um, mm. And uh, particularly because like I was mentioning, there's quite high rates of diabetes in the tertiary. I think it's, I think from memory, it's the highest, the highest rate um, or proportion for in, in Australia. So um, yeah. I can't remember the stats top of my head now at a population level, but there was quite high rates of diabetes in pregnancy. And then um, looking at then the, you know, like if, if a woman has diabetes in pregnancy, she's, she's 70% likely to go and develop type two diabetes. And so just some of those statistics, which I thought were really staggering. Um, mm. And then obviously the intergenerational effect too of, um, you know, when a woman has diabetes in pregnancy, the risk of her child going on to, to be obese or develop type two diabetes. And so I became quite in, interested in that kind of in utero environment and yeah. um, the nutritional status then, but also, yeah, the health of women and children more generally. And, and, um, and I think, yeah, that, that work there did get, uh, was, yeah, inspired me to work sort of in global health more broadly. And I think, again, coming back to the social determinants, but because um, these issues are so multifaceted, like it's not just a matter of, you know, um, providing nutritious food. It's a, you know, it's, yeah. it's like I was saying before, it's housing, education, income, it's so many different factors. And, um, and yeah, so that was, yeah, I think it was a, a trigger for working in, um, working in this space. Yeah, that, that's a lesson to anyone. So to, to if, if there's an opportunity uh, to, to, to try something different, you, ne- you never know where it might um, push you, what, what areas it might push you into and uh, uh, encourage you to get involved in later, later on, and maybe later on in your career, and that as well. That, that that's really interesting. I, I wonder now, as uh, as someone who's you know very qualified in multiple different areas, when you're looking at your again, I suppose your your public health role, and whether that be um, public health interventions at scale or or um, in your clinics and things like that, do you find that you have quite a I suppose, what did I say, um, sp- split role in terms of like 
I look at this from a dietetic point of view and then I look at it from a medical point of view and you know join them somewhere in the middle or would you say that you have quite a well-rounded view on things um, more generally from from doing your your various trainings and and obviously wealth of experience over the years how do you approach things now is it is it like that kind of slightly polarized or or, or do you kind of manage to fuse it all together in one go <laughs> that's a really interesting question and I want to start but preface it by saying I'm definitely not an expert in anything I actually feel like I'm more <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have less expertise in any area and just sort of broadly know stuff more than ever unfortunately I think, I think um, that's that's I think the more the more you know about something it, it's that classic thing of the more you know about something the less you feel you know or the, the, the more aware of the things you don't know maybe so I, I, I oh I, absolutely give, give yourself yeah, a little yeah. bit of credit I think <laughs> um but I think it I don't yeah I definitely don't kind of it's not like you know when you're learning a language and you kind of go from the English to the other to the other language you go back to the English like I don't I don't think like that I think um you know, in terms of jumping between nutrition to medicine, I think I just, I think it's a fusion of everything together. Um, yeah. And yeah, probably drawing on different, different experiences, different training in, in regards to different issues that I'm managing. But it's weird because I, um, I think when I finished, when I was working, when I finished my dietetics degree initially, the space I'm working in now is what I wanted to work in. You know, I finished my dietetics degree 13 years ago now, 13 years ago. Yeah. And this is, a, this is a space I wanted to work in. And it's funny when I started working in this role about two years ago, I actually felt like I'd finally like, Oh my gosh, everything has come together. Like mm, it was a yeah. really surreal feeling because I think I just kind of been going on this little journey of like study this and study this and work here and work there. And then suddenly it was all complimentary. And that was a really, Nice. And literally the team that I work in was called Maternal Child Health and Nutrition Team. And it was, um, yeah, that was kind of, I kind of like, okay, I finally like, I finally got somewhere here. This, um, this is what I've been looking for for the last X number of years. Yeah, it was a really cool feeling. And I, um, and if you've met many junior doctors, you'll find that they, they're, they're often taught like struggling with just deciding what to specialize in and they're after oh do I do this or this or this or this and I think we just we're we're lucky to have so many choices and so when you actually find your area of medicine that you that you want to specialize specialize in and commit to and um yeah that it's a really nice feeling actually and so to kind of be in the space now working doing the work that I do I I um yeah I enjoy it immensely um that's that's all that's all really really interesting um and i think like like i said if if um you know if you're in a job that you don't particularly like at some point whether it's in dietetics or, or medicine if nothing else i suppose you're ruling out an area and that's that's still um yeah. a little bit of, little <laughs> bit of progress um, yeah and I really, so, I really oh sorry okay no go ahead you're fine oh, i was just gonna say that i think um you know sometimes we might have an interest in a city you know for example you know, you might be interested in refugee um, or asylum seeker issues, or you might yeah. be interested in the um, in aged care, or you might be you know interested in the in what um, the food industry and what a, a dietitian working in the food industry does, for example. And I think, you know, um, whilst there's there is problems with some internships around, you know, not um, you know often being voluntary and unpaid or, or certain things. I think that you know, if you can, um, if you're interested in exploring an area in nutrition, dietetics, medicine, if you can reach out to people, speak to them about their work or organise to do, you know, a short voluntary placement there or a, a short internship, it can be really helpful for realising, working out whether you do want to rule it in or out, I think, and because you might not have the opportunity at, at, a work, at a working level that you can sometimes reach out and have sort of a, yeah, voluntary or internship kind of experience where you can get a taste for that kind of work. Um, yeah, and I think that's you know something. Like, I think that's worth that's worth doing. And I, I think particularly when I was, I did a lot of volunteer work, um, like when I, I had finished my nutrition dietetic training, and I I still do some now, but less so. But I think those different volunteer volunteer experiences um, also provided me a lot of um, different skills and and knowledge and interest. Um, so I think that's you know important something that's in, that's worthwhile doing as well. Yeah, I think that's always going to stand to you, isn't it? Any sort of additional experience, whether that's volunteering or, like you mentioned, internships and that kind of thing. Anything, I suppose, that gives you a look at a, at an area maybe that you haven't worked in before or something that might set you apart from your peers, anything like that is, is really useful. And I know um, it, it, with coronavirus and, and 
um, everything that's going on at the moment, maybe that's more difficult. But yeah, equally, I, I would say that because a lot of people and uh, organizations and everything, NedPro, as an example, has has moved almost entirely online for the time being, our operations. There's probably mm. an opportunity to do things you know, remotely, whether that be with a particular uh, researcher or group that you follow on social media or anything like that. I think there are probably opportunities out there if if you go looking and sometimes you have to ask and sometimes you have to be told no actually we don't have anything but you know i suppose the worst thing that happens is you get is you're told no nobody's going to criticize you for for taking a punt and and asking for some experience anyway yeah i think Um, it's always worth worth asking people if they have and you know we used to say do you want to meet up for a coffee or can i you know obviously we can't do that now but i think people are you know often more than happy to have a chat on the phone and and talk about you know their journey and their experiences and anything that they can help you with or if they have any opportunities to be involved so i think yes i think i agree with you always always worth asking definitely yeah absolutely that's my experience at least so um at least the last thing i want to ask you a little bit about is your your lecturing so you you lecture mm. in um is it is it melbourne that you're lecturing in at the moment best of melbourne in and is is that primarily with medical students medical students or? yes yeah Okay. So what, what kind of things are you, are you lecturing on at the moment or what sort of areas um, do you lecture in? Because again, with your um, wide experience and everything, I'm sure you could, you could teach on many courses, but what, what kind of things are you, are you well, lecturing on at the moment? Um, yeah, this is an interesting story actually about advocacy, I guess. Um, so, I mean, I, I do lecture the medical students predominantly, but I um, also give lectures to the um, public health Master of Public Health students as well as um, arts and science, agriculture. Um, sort of the the I started off giving nutrition lectures to medical students, and it branched out um, to other schools and faculties as well. But this actually started because I was sitting as a medical student in first year, so postgraduate medicine first year. Um, we had some pretty average nutrition lectures on nutrition. Um, and they were um, very biochemical focus, you know, vitamin, minerals, Krebs cycle pathway, you know, yeah. I mean, as a doctor. The, 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 things, the things that dietitians speak to their patients about all the time, you mean? Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, even doctors, like unless you're working in, you know, some kind of um, very niche area of metabolism, you know, errors or um, uh, yeah, sort of met- metabolic health um, sort of space, you know, how, how often you refer to the citric acid cycle, the Krebs cycle is very <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I just felt like we were just being taught and we were, we were just kind of, we had these lectures that were just literally given like rattling off, you know, vitamin A is found in these foods and it does this and da, 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 da. And just there was sort of no recognition of the role of nutrition in prevention or management and um, particularly like a complete lack of recognition of nutrition in, in chronic diseases. You know, we'd have lectures on diabetes and there'd be no mention of nutrition or lectures on cardiovascular disease. You know, there'd be a whole, whole lectures on pharmacology, but there'd be nothing on the role of nutrition in prevention, yeah. and, you know, hypertension or management. And, and I became really um, frustrated by it. And I remember sitting with um, colleagues, you know, or, you know, fellow students in the lecture theatre and saying to them, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to teach you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know when or how, but I, this, this needs to change. Um, and I, I think I, I literally wrote emails to the dean of the medical school and to the coordinator of the subject. And I just kept doing that for like a few years and just kept sort of mentioning about the importance of having more nutrition. And then, then in my final year of medical school, they eventually said to me, Elise, do you just want to give some lectures? And I said, okay, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can do that. So um, which but again, that important. that was that was just you asking for some experience. That was you taking a punt and saying, "I can, well, I, actually, I can actually offer something here." Well, I actually didn't want to be the person to deliver the lectures. I just wanted to make a point that we needed to needed right, to okay, the situation. But then I think they just said to me, "Well, would you like to do it?" And I said, "Oh, okay." Um, and then I did reach out to um, you know some very senior um, nutritionists and lecturers and doctors and kind of asked their advice about how to how to how to do it I hadn't given lectures before um Mm. and um and they were very kind and giving me a whole lot of their lectures and materials and um and sort of help and they you know they actually one of my mentors um came to every lecture that I gave for the first like three years um Oh wow! She's, yeah, she's um, she's she's she was retired, and so she'd come along and always sort of support me and give feedback, and she was uh, fabulous. Um, has been a fabulous support. Um, and she, yeah, she's a professor of public health nutrition. Um, Brilliant. 
but yeah, so though, so that's how sort of the lecturing started actually was just, um, was just sort of saying we need some more nutrition in medicine here. And then, and then it's, it's actually as a result of that reached out we, at Melbourne uni, we don't have a dietetics degree. And so we didn't actually have much nutrition expertise at the university. Um, there's people that work in nutrition politics and policy and a few different um, and around sort of the food industry and corporate um, corporate determinants of health sort of work, but not really any sort of nutrition per se. There is now, there's a, there is a bit more now and there's actually, they're introducing a, a dream major, sorry, into the Bachelor of Science degree, I think. But so there's a bit more now. And so as, as a result, I've been able to reach out and actually bring other people in to help with the teaching and share the load and also making those connections with the First Nations Health, be able to integrate um, out. We, have, we deliver a few lectures together around um, nutrition and First Nations Health together um, and then also reaching out to the, there's, there's a whole public health stream in medicine, which obviously it, it fits in well too as well. So um and, and integrating nutrition more into not just giving lectures, but, you know, doing case studies and actual practical, mm. um, practical exercises too. So, um, but a lot of this is, this has actually nearly always been on the side for me. So it's something I've done after hours on weekends. It hasn't, um, it's not, I've, I haven't chosen to go into a full-time teaching role. It's something that I've just always done because I'm passionate about doctors knowing about nutrition and, um, yeah. And learning about it and so it's just something that I've always maintained but um, more and more I think you know I, I think the medical school is 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 more and more so, is supportive of nutrition and I think I you know I'm sort of in a position soon that I can probably hand it over and get somebody else to come in and deliver it because I, I also feel personally to be honest that my you know whenever I deliver these lectures I have to go back and look at the evidence because I'm not working you know sure. in clinical clinical dietetics so I have to it's quite a lot of work to make sure that the and I have to reach out to my dietetic colleagues and ask for them to have a look at things and so I think I'm get, getting to the point where I probably need to ha- hand it over but um but I've it's been yeah I've, I've really enjoyed it and the students they they, they love it they've all they, I always get so many emails after the lectures saying you know how they want more and um you know can I provide more resources more information and Brilliant. you know there's obviously this appetite <laughs> pardon the pun for, yeah. for nutrition in, in medicine so that's yeah that's that's fantastic like I um I was kind of as you were going through it you were saying that you know you had some really basic lectures in nutrition I was thinking oh well at least at least you had some lectures in nutrition as a student yourself because um we a, a number of colleagues at, at NEDPRO and various other organizations recently published the time for nutrition um paper in BMJ nutrition um where it just highlighted the fact that vast amount of med schools in the UK at least just don't have um any nutrition education or might have a couple of hours during their five-year degree so so even to hear that you had some basic lectures, I think you were probably a, a step up from a lot of the places here. But, but like, like you mentioned, no, no mention of nutrition and things like diabetes or cardiovascular disease. I imagine as a, as a trained uh, dietitian nutritionist, you were probably seething, sitting there in the audience, thinking, "Why are we not talking about the, the, the sort of the elephant in the room?" Um, and and uh, yes, yeah. so even having a dot point, you know, just have one dot point that you know nutrition plays a, you know, there's just an absolute yeah, yeah. invisible. Even even yeah. if it was just you know you know speak to your dietitian or speak to make make sure you uh, uh, bear that in mind as well. But but that's it's also really um, it's really great. I, I imagine and very rewarding for you to think that you've done enough with this that that it's you know ready for somebody else to kind of take it on now and run with it. And like you say, I suppose not working in dietetics yourself at the moment, um, it probably does mean that you're probably having to. Uh, invest a lot of time and effort into updating your slides and things whereas if it was somebody working in it full-time it might be more something that they could do as as i suppose almost like cpd or something as 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 a way of um of keeping up to date with with things themselves and then the last yeah. the last point you you mentioned about the students actually really enjoying it so you may or may not have heard of um nutri tank they're they're a group that we work with here in the uk and they they're Again, they're medical students who who basically have said, "Look, we we appreciate the role of nutrition in um, medicine, and mm. uh, we we want more medical education, or sorry, uh, more uh, nutrition education." So they've set up this organization, Nutri Tank. They've got branches mm-hmm. in loads of different med schools all over the the country, 
and um, you know they've run a couple of conferences. They have their own podcast. They're they're really um, a yeah, brilliant organization, and it's 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 shown me. I suppose when I got involved with NedPro first, and and a lot of our work is is trying to get um, nutrition into medical curricula. I didn't always appreciate how much those, how much the students, I suppose, want it and, and would value it as well. Um, because I suppose, and you know this better than I do, that med um, curricula are pretty, pretty packed as it is. But yes, I suppose yes. then nutrition covers so many areas of, of, of medicine or would it would add to so many areas of medicine that I, c- I can imagine as a med student, you, you would really appreciate that. Um, Which is why that, I think that, integration that is integration is key and I think um, in talking about sort of delivering the teaching I do think there's a need for a dedicated role um, in medical schools around nutrition maybe that person could also be involved in you know physical activity education or other other areas as well that are kind of lacking in medical curriculums but I think there's a need for someone to to keep advocating for nutrition to to assist with integrating it into um, the course, but also, um, you know, promote inter- interdisciplinary, um, mm. you know, experiences for students. And like you said, referring to the dietitian or referring to the speech pathologist or referring to the diabetes educator and, and understanding the multidisciplinary team, which is another area that medicine is still trying to do better, I think, and realise that there's other people outside the team apart from just doctors. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that's, um, I do think we need some more dedicated sort of resources because it's probably, you know, I think there's, there's definitely space to do quite innovative um, teaching in this area, but you need to have the time and the resources to, to think through that. Like we, we had thought about doing, you know, cooking classes with medical students and, you know, and because and I, I think that, that, you know, eating together, sharing food together, preparing food is a really nice way to learn about nutrition, but also to kind of talk about these things and issues and, um, but we just, yeah, you need someone with time and resource to get that off the ground. Um, but I, yeah, I've seen the Nutritaint work and uh, it's mm. fantastic. And um, there's some universities in Australia, uh, well, at least in Victoria, a few medical schools, not, not my one, unfortunately, but other ones that have also hey. developed these student-led initiatives. And often, you know, the, these student-led initiatives can be incredibly powerful. Um, uh, the yeah, students absolutely. can be really, their voices can be very strong in in advocating for content and if they're not if they're not provided it by the curriculum they'll often like develop their own seminars and conferences and and reach out to people and that's fantastic and actually just um just this week I received an email from um a group at Melbourne Uni which is which is where I've been doing the lectures um which has just started up a healthy eating uh I can't remember what they what their group is called but they've just developed a nutrition group not just not within medicine but in for the university more broadly um, I think it's a number of health science students, but yeah, and I was just like, yes, finally. <laughs> um, That's brilliant, and I suppose yeah. again, like w- like we said earlier on about reaching out to people on social media and that kind of thing. That the fact that you know um, the the internet, I suppose, has democratized a lot of um, access to information. And like you say, if they don't get it from, if the medical students don't necessarily get it from their their med school or their college or their university or whatever it is there's plenty of other places they can find it and they're they're you know whether it's online or um talking with other groups like NutriTank like you know their universities and that kind of thing they're they're gonna find it somewhere so um mm. like you say it's great that that people are advocating for their own I suppose education and um the importance of, of different areas and it's important as well like you you mentioned whether it's um speech and language or um, exercise, physiotherapy, all those kind of things as well. It's not just nutrition. Um, it's really important to for for everyone in medicine to realize, I think the way you phrased it was that it's not only doctors on the MDT. And I suppose the way I would phrase it as well is that they're not alone on the MDT because I, I don't want it to sound as if we think, oh, doctors, they don't appreciate anyone else. But, you know, to kind of say, you know, I, I'm here and this is actually my job so I can help out with um, the, the feeding this patient or whatever it is and um mm. you know you, you mentioned cooking as well which is, is really important and I think probably a lot of people myself included kind of got interested in in nutrition and dietetics dietetics um primarily from a, a point of view of growing up <laughs> loving food uh and yeah. in, enjoying cooking and that kind of thing so so yeah I, th- I think that's yeah. that's um that's great. You also mentioned having, uh, uh, you know, kind of thinking that we need, we're probably in a situation now whereby we need a um, dedicated 
nutrition educator for for med students and things and that actually segues nicely into our next couple of podcasts um which will be a part of this project as well where we'll we're going to speak to uh, two dietitians elaine mcinch and Dwayne meller um who who do just that so they are employed by um among other um, posts and jobs and everything else, they are employed by med, su- med schools here in the UK yeah, to actually um, educate uh, uh, the, the, the med students on nutrition. And again, I suppose, give them an appreciation for the, the role of nutrition and dietetics in um, treating patients and things as well. So hopefully that will, that will be an interesting uh, couple yeah, of podcasts definitely. as well. Fantastic. Um, Look forward to listening. Yeah, we'll make sure that we send them on. At least that is... Uh, absolutely fantastic it's really great to get all of your um experience and to hear you know it's quite clear that you're you're passionate about a lot of this as well so um thank you again for for all your time and uh and hopefully with through nedpro we'll we'll continue kind of um flying the flag for nutrition and dietetics and and by all accounts you're going to be doing the same so um so thanks again for all your time no worries at all thanks for the chance to chat it was very nice thank you brilliant thank you so hopefully you enjoyed that conversation i know personally i found it very interesting to see how dr elise's dietetic training and experience in nutrition and dietetics continues to affect both her practice her research and also her lecturing of medical students as well so thank you again to dr elise for giving up some of her time to speak to us and be a part of the project so like I said, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully you're looking forward to the next episodes of this project. I know that it's something I'm very much looking forward to exploring a bit more with various members of the dietetic and medical education communities as well. As I said at the beginning, if you have any feedback or you'd like to get in touch, then you can do that on social media. We can be found on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook and also more recently Instagram. And please do obviously share the podcast with friends with colleagues with students that you might be mentoring or anybody else really who you think would gain something from it and who would enjoy listening to the podcast if you're able to leave us a review or to write a comment on whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this this would also really help us and hopefully we'll speak to you again very very soon